0: Do you know some of the highest success rates in marriage are arranged marriages? And part of it is you just have this expectation that I'm gonna honor, love, and give the other person the better end of the deal. And if more people did that in business or in marriage in general, I think everyone's so scared that, you know what's risky? Getting married. Well, of course it is. Like, yeah, 50% in divorce. Like, yeah, that's pretty risky. I love Jim Rohn where he goes, wait till I hand you the bill for not taking action. And you're 50 and alone and you regret not getting married. Yeah, there's risk in doing it. And so for me, it was always just a strategic. And even though business partnerships aren't as finite and as sacred from my faith-based perspective on a marriage, a lot of the same concepts apply of, hey, this is what we can do. So I've gotten into probably 10 partnerships, a couple that have exited, some bad ones, some accidental, and then some extremely intentional.
1: Better Than Rich Show listener, you are in for another treat today with Adam Zock. Adam Zock has a really cool story because he started as an engineer. For those of you that know, I have my engineering degree. So I love Adam. I've known Adam for a few years now. And while he was working his nine to five as an engineer, he was able to build his side hustle, if you will, through real estate. And at 32 years old, he said, bye-bye, engineer. I'm out. And he transitioned after he had a 60% of his income replaced from real estate investing. He left the engineering company. And now, fast forward just two years, he has 50 single-family rentals spread across 13 states with partnerships in seven different LLCs. And what's awesome is Adam is able to do this around being a full-time dad. He talks about in the episode he spent in Q4 of 2022, 50 hours a week being a full-time dad to a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. And he's over in North Dakota. He prides himself on guiding fellow dads with young kids to break free from the clock and embrace financial freedom through real estate. So we get into business partnerships and how to craft them and how he's done that for his different LLCs. We get into the passive income side of real estate investing. We even talk about the Tinder for real estate investing. It's a fun topic. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Adam Zack again, on The Better Than Rich Show. Here we go. Welcome to The Better Than Rich Show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich Show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. Welcome back to the Better Than Rich Show. I'm Micah Bromowitz. I'm here with Andrew Biggs, and we have my brother in our front row dad band, Adam Zock, on the show today. Adam, welcome to the Better Than Rich Show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Anytime I can get an extra connection with you and serve the common good, looking forward to it. Well, that's one of the things I love about you.
1: Here's the thing. Listener, if you don't know Adam, you really need to. I got a chance to hang out with Adam in December last year on the basketball court and Adam on the basketball court and Adam off the basketball court. This guy is just so aligned with putting it all out on the court with what he does in life as a husband, as a father, as a business owner. And also as a six foot seven giant that I had no idea you were. I don't even know if that's an exaggeration, but Yeah, I'm the only person it was on earth really
0: only person on earth that I can say that I'm five eighteen. Five foot, eight yeah, inches tall.
1: <laughs> and so it was just so much fun having that memory and that moment with you. And then obviously we talk every month with our private band meetings, but I'm super excited to bring you to our audience because you have so much wisdom, so much knowledge, and it's going to be a great conversation. So I wanted to start with you have the background in engineering, you super smart, stable career and then you said, you know what? I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, one-year-old. At the time, two years ago, they were four years old, two years old, and not existent yet. And you said, I'm going to break free from my W-2, my secure position, engineering, and I'm going to go into this crazy world of entrepreneurship and being an investor and starting companies. I'd really love for you to just take the listener through that journey, because I think there's might be someone listening right now who feels maybe confined by their W-2 or by what's familiar to them. And I think you could be a really good advocate for them to say, hey, these are the steps that I took to transition from what was familiar to what was unfamiliar. And then you could also tack on some of the results and some of the things you've seen in your
0: businesses over the course of those last two years. For sure. Yeah. The biggest thing for me, if you guys are familiar with the marshmallow test where they sit down the three to five-year-old toddlers and they set a marshmallow right in front of them. They're like, all right, you can eat this right now, or you can wait 15 minutes and I'll bring you two. And so that concept of delay gratification was entrained to me. And it always made sense until it didn't. It was like, go to school, get to college, three-year delay. Get to college, then you get a good job. Okay, a four-year delay. Then I was like, okay, get the good job so you can save for retirement, 50-year delay. And I was like, all right, if you sit down a toddler and you say, wait 15 minutes, that makes sense. But if you tell them to wait 15 hours, like the delayed gratification isn't quite there. So for me, it was this idea of, yes, I want to invest in myself and I want to delay gratification. But at some point, it just broke in my brain of like, okay, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to gain back my time freedom using those same principles that got me there. So it's like great principle." Delayed gratification, but it was this mental shift in my brain reading Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People of Begin with the End in Mind was like, okay, this is what I want, and I can't get there using the existing system. And so for me, I broke it down to seven things that I had to do to actually leave the W 2. And so I call these a little bit controversial steps, and I listed them out because the very first one was get really good at my job, which is extremely counterintuitive to most patterns. People are like, I hate my job. Why on earth would I get good at my job? And based on what I've seen, the people that excel in business or entrepreneurs, with rare exceptions, are actually really great leaders in their business. You're like, they're dynamic, they're getting stuff done, the results oriented, and then they like, they reach a cap and like, man, I can't push past this ceiling. If I work a hundred hours, I get paid hundred thousand dollars If I work less than that, I get paid $100,000. And it's like kind of this salary and they feel constrained. And so for me, there was just the pain of, man, I feel like I'm capped. And then once you see that little one come out and you have that life event of, holy cow, I got this human being and how much time can I spend with them realizing that I'm now no longer in control. And then it happens again. And then again, the brain starts going off and it's like, okay, I got to do something here. And then I just became magnificently obsessed with quitting the W-2 job. That's what led into the next steps of just getting really addicted with personal development. It's tough, but it's so relevant on where to go. And then from there, I did a few things. It was fail super fast, where I just, how quickly can I get a no? And there's a great book, Go for No, where it's like, when you're thinking about doing something and leaving the job, especially us as engineers, like, oh, should we do that? Should I do that? Should I do that? And giving someone the permission to fail. I always love giving people like, hey, go out and just give me one no. If I'm coaching someone in real estate, like give me a rejected offer on a house for what you can do to get there. And then slowly as you do that, you find your niche on what you need to get into. Then you start leveraging your own unique abilities. Then for me, I really like the idea of partnerships. And you can either do that in a dating way, an engaged way, or actually get business married, which I've done multiple times. And so those are the different paths that I've gotten into.
2: I think it's really cool. I think it's really bold. I'm curious, you said you have these seven steps. Are those written down somewhere? Do you remember them? Is that something you can rattle off? Because I got to imagine there's someone listening to this right now who's thinking, man, I'd love to leave my W-2 and maybe go into the world of entrepreneurship or real estate or investing or something like that. But maybe they don't have those seven steps. So can you land the plane on exactly what those are for that person uh, who is listening?
0: For sure. I got number one, be really good at your job. Number two, invest your first dollars into personal development. Number three, fail fast. Number four, find your niche and your people. Number five, focus on return on time invested. Number six is leverage. And then number seven is ROI maximization. So I can break down those different nice. steps with a little bit more color, but those are like the seven ways that my brain went through it from failing to optimizing and just kickstarting mm-hmm. it and going through things. But those were the seven steps that I took.
2: Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I would love to hear you unpack that a little bit more if you don't mind. In addition, I think one thing that comes up for me, agnostic of that, is just fear in general, right? How do you actually overcome the fear of saying, yes, I'm going to leave a steady career? I did the same thing seven years ago when I got into coaching. I was making 10 grand a month salary plus a bonus at the end of the year. My last bonus was like 55 grand or something. We had health benefits and all these other things were taken care of. Yeah, I had to wake up at uh, 6 in the morning, be on the road by 6.30 so that I could beat the Chicago traffic, be in traffic for 90 minutes. So I get to work by 8 and then I had to hit my life pretty much from 8 to 5. And then I had to fight that same traffic on the way back for another 90 minutes and I was missing out on my 6-month-old. But I was making like one hundred and eighty grand as an employee. So how do you go from this thing is secure to I'm taking this leap of faith and I don't know where I'm going to land Talk to that person who's listening right now, who's afraid.
0: It came in a couple fashions and I wanted to jump before I should have. And I know everyone's like the hustle cultures, just do it, then burn the bridges. And that's the way to take it. And I've seen a lot of people get into some financial distress and then they turn into this needing the income. And then all of a sudden they're asking and you can feel it. And so my approach was, nope, enjoy and be really good at what you do and then build that bridge to go from there. And so the metaphor was get the boat right onto the dock and then walk out because I would say four years ago when we were starting to scale up the real estate investments, I turned to my wife. I was like, this is it. I'm quitting. I got this real estate thing. I've listened to Bigger Pockets. I've done two deals. This thing's easy. Let's just jump. And so I was surrounded by some good mentors, some masterminds, my wife, of course, whose number two value in life is security. And so realizing that mine's growth, it's like a great complimentary skill set because she's like, no, don't do anything. And I'm like, hey, check out all these cool things that we could do. So we land on something pretty special and in between. So I think that the fear of, hey, what does that look like if you completely jumped? If someone wants to do that, that's not the path I would recommend. I'd recommend hey, if we did this in 10 years versus 30 years or five years versus one year, you're still in a really good, I remember still my first thing was like, oh, I'm gonna quit my job in 10 years. Took me three, but you set up the 10 year plan because then it doesn't sound so scary. And you're like, oh, all I gotta do is buy two properties a year for 10 years. That's it. Just two properties a year. And so you break that down and then it doesn't seem as scary, but then the time where you're actually gonna commit, but I got to 60% of my income and that was my magic number. Once I was at 60% working part-time, I was like, imagine what we could do going full-time. And sometimes you can either seek the pleasure or what oftentimes is the 2x Daniel Kahneman and thinking fast and thinking slow is we actually fear the pain two times as much as the pleasure. So we can all sit in our engineering office. I'm looking out the window. I see the trees. I got to do another report. I'm just drifting off in la-la land. What would it look like if I could travel? What could I look like? And that's call it 1x motivation. But the other one was like, oh, what if I'm sitting in here and my wife's upset at home and my kids don't love me anymore? Because I'm married to this job or I'm at a city council meeting or I'm traveling for work, man, that sits like a pit in my stomach, which is extremely more motivating than this great part is just the fear of, okay, what does hell on earth look like to me? And it's like, man, I'm out of shape. I'm on the verge of divorce. My kids don't like me. I'm in bad physical shape and I'm in pain. It's like, "Ooh." I think about that. And sometimes it's a little bit scary. It's like, well, I know I don't want that way more than it's like, oh, I really want this. And so just using that little trick to know what you fear and what the pain is, because it's double the motivation points. And it's funny that they can prove that statistically that they did that in that book, which I thought was pretty amazing.
1: Well, I think you're pretty amazing, Adam. And I think our listeners think you're amazing. So here's where I'd like to jump. Okay, because I could keep riffing on this, but I want to get to some practical stuff that we have you here. Because you're talking 50 single family rentals across 13 states seven different LLCs, different partnerships. I'd like to get into some of this because I want to get into some practical steps, okay? I have a business that's a machine. I have some sort of machine that's making me money, whether that's my nine to five that's making me money or my side hustle making me money, my business that's making me money. And I take the money from this machine and I put that money to go work for me in some sort of other vehicle. And we've had other guests on the show where we've had the same conversation. We had Justin Morgan, we had this conversation, Justin Donald, we have this conversation, Kyle Reedstrom, we had this conversation. So there's several episodes, we had this convo, but you have a different approach, a little bit unique, different strategy. And I'd like to get into some of that. I know I have capital deployed with you. I have 50 grand in one thing that pays me money. I don't really even know what it is. Honestly, I just know it pays me every month. And I'm like, cool, I just collect the check every month. And then the other one, I got 25 grand in. And I know that's a little bit of a different type of play. But this concept of my business makes money, and then my money goes and makes money. So for you, you were an engineer, you were making money at your W-2, but then you were deploying that capital to put it to work for you. With what you knew, what was the first deal, making that money, getting the money, put it to work? And then with what you know now, what would you say to a listener that says, okay, I'm ready to put some capital for work. This is a great place to start. Because obviously, going from zero to 50 might seem intimidating, but it seems like you cracked this code a little bit.
0: Yeah, I would argue that zero to one is the hardest. Getting the first one is by far the hardest thing that anyone will do. And I know almost nobody with one deal. It's either I have zero or I have two and I want more. It's like you get the bug and you either got snake bit or there you go. And so, my first question is do you have more capital or time? And a lot of times, it's I'm a busy professional, I got capital. So, it's like, okay, great. What you want is to get in the game and you want low return on time invested and you want cash flow. If someone's like, I have a bunch of time, It's like, okay, you're looking to now trade your time in the form of some sort of wealth creation tool because you're trying to basically buy back your time. And so that's usually the first question that I ask someone is, do you have more capital or time? Because depending on that, you're almost creating a little mini business or you're trying to create an opportunity to then match with the capital. Because in real estate, it's always just a deal meets capital. And if you have capital, go find a deal. If you have time, you find a deal and the capital will find you. And so I would say from the first five investments, we sucked. It wasn't good. I remember changing the furnace filter on some really old crappy houses and bringing my six-month-old kid to it. And there's this dog shit on the concrete. And I was like, what on earth? am I doing in this house with my kid changing a furnace filter in this stranger's house to keep this going in Grand Forks, North Dakota? I was like, this is not meant for me, but it was paying the price, right? Out of our first five investment properties, I would be shocked if we made much money off of those. We bought like a 1907 house thinking we could put 10 grand into it. Turns out that'll get you like two windows and not like rehab the entire house. And that's concept number three is just fail fast on your way to losing your job. Like to me, I had some financial security. So I had the ability to take some risk. And for me, my time was more precious. So it was analyze it as much as you can, but you got to make an offer. You got to go into it and get things going. And so those were the first few deals of just getting your feet wet. And they don't have to be home run deals. Even if you lost 10 grand on your first deal, which I don't recommend, imagine that being like a master's in real estate investing. Like instead of going getting your MBA from a university in business... Take the 10 grand, put it into a property, put it into an investment, do a loan, partner with someone and be like, oh, cool. I may not get this money back or it might double or it might triple, but I'm going to get an awesome experience doing this. And then depending on where you're at, we eventually found our niche. Then we told college kids to go buy a house and we'll buy it. They can rent it. And that was like a way for us to create our own deal flow as opposed to just go picking existing inventory and then having it sit vacant until we could find a tenant. And then it turned into this people first property second model. We no longer find any properties. All we do is find people that can't quite get a bank loan. And then we match them with investors to buy them a home. Or number two, we find people who want to flip a house that don't have the capital. So then we bring the capital and then split the profits. So it's morphed to different versions of that. But it's like there's still nothing wrong with doing a single base hit because I bought every single one of the 50 properties one at a time. Nothing was a grand slam, it was just a single base hit one at a time. But I remember someone took the graph of the properties that I have and it turns out to be like an exponential hockey stick. It was like, oh, one in 2012, one in 2015, then two in 17, then five in 19, then 20 in 2022, and then it was 30 in 2021. And so I was like, oh, great. It's really cool to see the exponential growth. But I was like, man, it took me five years to go from my first to my second property. But if I hadn't done that, I hadn't started the runway because I got into the first house and rented it out to my college buddies.
1: Okay. So I want to click on something before I kick it to Andrew here. When I heard what you said about capital, like if I have capital, put the capital to work, or if I have the time, put the time to work, something that you've done for me is I had some of the capital I alluded to and I had what at a zero time, but you've taken all of my thinking out of it. I just gave you the money and then you just make me more money with it. It seems like there's an option three. I guess that maybe falls under option one of the capital, but what I'd be thinking if I'm listening to the show, it's like, how might I maybe cut the learning curve down? Maybe just deploy capital with you. Maybe it's your company or maybe it's people you know or are connected with. But if I wanted to cut down the learning curve, because it seems like you already did it. You already figured it out. You already cracked the code. It's like, hey, I went through all these growing pains. I now have this list of renters, rent to own people. And then we're raising capital. If you want to get in on this, we can. Again, you know what you do but more than me. But if I'm a listener listening to this, I'm like, okay, I don't really want to give a ton of money and I really don't want to give a ton of time. But if this guy has already figured a lot of that stuff out and I could put some of my money to work and I don't have to learn that much, that's what you're doing for me. What would be steps for someone to walk through with doing that? Obviously, I'm friends with you and we know each other. But if someone's listening, they're not familiar and they don't have the connection or the social capital, what would you say to them?
0: Sure. It's a good question. And one thing that I'm always trying to be cognizant of is where can you put all your money? There's a lot of stuff, you can keep it in a savings account, you can do cash, you can put it into S&P and just let it do its 8 to 12%, realizing there's some volatility. Right now, you can get like a five-year treasury bond at like 5 or 6%. So it's like, I'm competing with all this stuff. But there's oftentimes something specific about passive income or real estate that someone's like, oh, I keep hearing about this. And it's the number one wealth builder. Like, I generally want to get in on that. And so sometimes you can find, source, do your own deal. But then there's individuals like myself or turnkey providers or syndicators that all they do is they're like, you know what? I've reached a point in my time where I'm extremely at peace. I love where I'm at. And now it's like, okay, who can I help? And it's like, oh, it's Adam three years ago. All I wanted to do three years ago was quit the job. So like, ooh, how can I do that? Now, because I love it so much, if I had to give it up for my family, I would, but I would miss it because I just love business so much. The idea is now that Adam has freedom, what am I really, really uniquely good at? It's like, oh, I can go find deals based on my experience and my tranches in real estate. And so you find different people like that. Sometimes they're turnkey providers. Sometimes it can be a loan to a business, whether it's secured or unsecured. You can be a limited partner. Sometimes if they're accredited, you have to be accredited to get into some, but there's some that you don't have to be making over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to get into those statuses. And so if I was like, hey, single family, because that's my jam. I was like, okay, yeah, you could come to Home Equity Partner and we could scoop you up into something. However, there's like Memphis Turnkey, there's Rent to Retirement, there's all of these call it quasi-turnkey rentals that you just say, hey, here's a great new construction in Florida. I'm just going to go put 50 grand to work, maybe get some financing, maybe get a couple other things, and I'm just going to let it ride out. And so I think it's determining where your return on investment is looking at and what you want real estate to do for you. Because oftentimes, people confuse two things, cash flow and wealth. You could buy a property just historically in California, do nothing with it, cash flow negative, and triple your net worth because the property just appreciated by like 13% per year. Versus, you could buy a home in Alabama worth a hundred thousand, and in five years it might be worth one hundred and ten thousand, but it brought you five hundred dollars a month in cash flow. Now, those are two very different plays, and it's sometimes a great idea to mix and match. For me, what I've noticed. And the people that I want to help is the cash flow people because that's what buys back your time. Great, I have this wealth, and on paper I have five hundred thousand dollars, but unless I pull a HELOC out of it or unless I sell it and liquidate, it, I can't feel it. It doesn't change me, and so I'm on a mission to create the highest cash flowing investment opportunity there is because that's what I was after. I believe the cash flow gives you the time freedom to then free up your time because what I would love to do is someone sitting with forty hours a week be like, what would it look like if you're just working twenty hours a week? Can we get you to 5k a month in passive income to allow you to be like, you know what, I can go to 30 or 20 hours a week. And that's just the first incremental step. And whatever that number is for you, it could be two grand, could be five grand, could be 10 grand, but it's like, okay, what's that number? Not to quit my job, just to go to 20 hours a week, because for most people, they don't want to give up their benefits. They don't want to quite get out of it, but they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. I could reduce my time and get into it that way.
2: I love this. And it sounds like you've taken a lot of that learning curve and that risk out of the equation. So it is nice to just be able to go straight to the source because going from zero to one, there's a lot of potential risk there. I also love what you said about the understanding that like, hey, that's an education, right? And how much did you pay for your college degree? And how much money is that actually making? Yeah, mine's in piano performance. You can imagine,
0: Adam, how much money my piano performance degree that I paid 100 grand for is making. So uh, I've, you know, I've he, heard it. You've brought that <laughs> out on some random calls. And I was like, you know what? If you had a Venmo come up on the screen right now, it's like, what a surprise. And to take that a little bit, like one of the models is like, how can I inject more humor into life? These type of conversations or even in business or with my wife or with my kids, sometimes I'm so oriented and so serious that, man, you know what I forget to do a lot of times? is just make up a story, put a plunger on my head and make my kid laugh. And you know what? <laughs> Life is just so much better when you do that. And it's tough because like you got the grass to mow, then somebody didn't pay rent, and then the kids are screaming, and then, oh, who's going to cook supper? And then the floor is a mess. Then your one-year-old just had an explosion through his diaper. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I can find fun in this. If I'm in the right mental state, if I'm in peak state, but sometimes, you know what? Daddy just throws up his hands and it's like, all right, if I can just remember to inject some humor, rarely does it backfire. And so I appreciate that, Andrew.
2: I appreciate that, Adam. And it's one of the things that I love most about you and my limited interactions with you. But I just love that you're able to find those moments. And I appreciate that. And even if I threw a Venmo up, maybe that's a way for me to get $100 in passive income every month, Adam, <laughs> is just play on TikTok and throw a Venmo up. But uh, the point I'm kind of making here is there's this masterclass and education, right? There's also this option of, hey, I don't have the time. Let me throw the capital at it. One of the more interesting things that stood out for me, and I noticed this when you wrote down, hey, these are some of my one-liners or my catchphrases, people first, property second. And now that I've heard it explained of helping people find potential access to capital if they need it. And then your big, hairy, audacious goal of privatizing the mortgage industry. I've been seeing this trend online as I'm just doing my own research. People are fed up with the banks, and they're doing a lot more seller financing and these sorts of things. I'd love to hear you talk about that trend, why you think it's taking off, and what does that even mean? What does that look like in a practical sense? Can you speak to that a little bit more?
0: For sure, I'll tackle the people first property second. That's not only an investment philosophy of using our specific strategy of finding a renter first or finding someone who's going to flip the house first. And we can talk a little bit about it, but I might be the biggest fanboy of partnerships, and I've had some go wrong. And I like, I always call it like you can date, then you can get engaged and then you can get business married through an LLC and you can do a buy sell or other things. But that is for sure one of the key attributes that has led to success. Right now, my business partner can handle like property management, accounting, all that stuff. And not only that, but he's like, yeah, I don't hate it. I'm like, I absolutely hate it. And I would be so wrecked with my day if I didn't have a business partner doing those. Or recently when I joined up with you guys having the VA and unlocking that potential of freeing up my time to do those tasks of just come up with your list of all your red. What do you just hate doing that you can just shoot the Loom video? Away we go. You've already have them pre-screened. And it's like, oh cool, we can get rocking like tomorrow and you can see the results going. And then to the second part about privatizing the mortgage industry, it's really cool. I have this reminder that goes off on my phone every morning at eight oh five A.M. And it's, who can Adam and only Adam uniquely help? And it's a powerful question for me because sometimes it's like, oh, I need to improve my leadership. Sometimes it's, I need to help my wife. Sometimes it's my kids. Sometimes it's investors. Sometimes it's the tenant. And so right now it's like, what am I uniquely qualified? Like Adam on planet earth, the last 12 people that we put into a property, no one else in the United States could have gotten those people into that property. And that makes me feel awesome. And so it's like you tap into that and all of a sudden this dopamine dump of like you get a Google five star review and you're like, oh, I want more of that. Right. Words of affirmation, guys. So Anytime somebody leaves me a five star Google review, it's like my wife telling me that I'm super, super handsome and that I'm 518 and she loves me and I look like a figurine. Those are all the things like, oh, I want more of that. And so the idea of I really have this unique understanding of alternative financing you can get a mortgage, you can get a rent, but no one knows that you can do seller finance, a wrap, you can do rent to own, you can do a contract for deed. And they all have different legalese that I'm going to call gray area. And I was like, okay, it's gray area, which means people abuse it and then you can use it for good. And I was like, ooh, how can I be a virus of good? How can I infect the world in such a way that it's going to spread the good parts of a lease purchase option agreement? Versus all the bad of, hey, I'm going to take 10 grand from you and then, you know, miss a payment, then I'm just going to evict you and away we go. And it's like, oh, cool. I think I have some values and principles that have injected into there, which is one of my mottos of leverage real estate to appreciate lives. And I think I'm uniquely qualified to do that. And the whole goal is to appreciate lives, but I get to leverage real estate to do that. Because of the unique gifts, experiences and positions that I was in, I was born in a town of 17,000 people not a ton. The whole state is 600,000 people. It's like, oh, that's about as rural in America as you can get. There's not a ton of possibilities of, yeah, we're going to go to Silicon Valley. There's huge metros. And it turns out that gives me a really unique advantage of how I can look on life. And so that's the big hairy goal. It would be really cool. I was like, hey, Andrew, do you want to buy me a house in Fargo? And you're like, I don't know. It depends. What's the terms? What's the rates? And it's like, why couldn't you do that peer-to-peer versus, oh, I got to go get a loan. I got to get the mortgage back security. I got to do all this stuff. It's like, what if you just did individual matchmaking? Almost like you pull up your phone, you're on Tinder. You're like, oh, no, I'm not going to buy Mike a house. I'm like, oh, this Jack person, they look pretty good. Here's their credit score. I want to buy them a house. Here's their story. Maybe they have a video. And I was like, how cool would that be? And you could have nonprofit, you could have the government, but you could just be basic capitalism working on both sides. And I get that there's got to be some sort of regulations or different things, but I'm all for, I'll call it breaking the rules, not the law. But I always love working in the gray area when I can.
2: I think that's amazing. And it's such a unique approach. And people, they're looking for that sort of thing, right? They're fed up with that. And it's like the middleman, right? We're cutting out the proverbial middleman. Of course, there needs to be some sort of, like you said, regulation and in terms and agreements and things like that. But it sounds like you've put together structures and contracts and figured out some of the nuances there. We did seller financing on a piece of land here. And ooh, great. We got a better rate than we got from the bank. The seller's happy. We're happy. They're retirees. They're just happy to have on it. And we're happy because we got a better deal than we would have gotten from the bank. So it's just so cool that these are options on the table. And again, so many people don't think about this, right? They just go to rocketmortgage.com and they type in their numbers and it says, this is what you qualify for, or sorry, you don't qualify or whatever. And then they're just like, well, I'll never buy a house. And so I'll never get into real estate. So this is the sort of thing that I think can really revolutionize the game. And yeah, I look forward to that Tinder app coming out at some point. I don't know what we'll call it. We got to workshop the brand a little bit, but I love that, man. That's so, super someone, cool. someone
0: recoined that for me. I was like, oh, it's a March Madness bracket. And you connect people. And he's like, well, you got to progress in a March Madness. And I get that you're meeting in the center. But it's more like you're just flipping through. And I've never, of course, used Tinder, but know the concept <laughs> of it. And so the idea is, it almost just seems like exposure and awareness. of Can you get enough people on both sides to make it happy. I'm assuming on Tinder, if it's 99% dudes and one girl, like, oh, this marketplace isn't going to work. And so there's trillions of dollars that people want to invest safely. There's all these people applying for a mortgage. So it gets layered up, layered up, layered up. But it's like, oh, assuming you had a real estate attorney and a title company connecting everyone from like a safety. Now all you do is you just have this whole list and you say, I want a $400,000 house. I'm willing to pay a 5% interest rate. I got an 800 credit score. I got three kids. I think I'm a good human being. Who wants to buy me a house? And someone's like, you know what? In Andrew's case, I would rather take 5% secured by real estate than putting it anywhere else. I was like, what a win-win type thing. But I don't want to force everyone into homeownership, but I want to make it accessible to anyone. Because someone might say, hey, can you buy me that $400,000 house and I'll pay you a dollar a month? Well, the likelihood of someone saying yes, it's like, so then you could just figure out what the economy is willing to do.
1: So cool. Adam, what I love about what you just shared is you shared with us in our private band practice that we had for Front Row Dads. And I thought it was a really cool concept because not only are you taking the homeowner or renter, or rent to own, you're giving them an opportunity at a lower rate, but you're also giving the investor an opportunity to have a way to deploy their capital. It's a genius idea. I think it's going to disrupt the marketplace and super excited to be a part of it with you. One of the things that you did mention a couple of times is partnership. I know Andrew and I are obviously a business partnership. Our story is a little unique in the sense that I was his client. And from 2016 until really like 2020, 2021, maybe, he was coaching me and helped me have great results. And then it was like, hey, I got all these great results. We should take all of what I learned and bring it to the marketplace. And that's what happened. So it was organic. And then I became a sales guy for Better Than Rich. I was just a sales rep called a system strategist. I was a strategist for Better Than Rich. I was really good at selling what he was offering. That led to a partnership. So that was like our story. That's our origin story to create our partnership. But from what you have done, it seems like there's a lot different approach, like finding the perfect person, building a, a relationship with this person, an integrator versus a visionary, where Andrew and I have an overlap where he has high visionary qualities, the ones that he's really high at, some of them I'm not so high at, and then there's high integrator qualities that he's high at that I'm not as high at, and vice versa. So it's not a hundred percent mirror compliment. I'm high in visionary, he's low in integrator, perfect. We're a great match. Let's go. So I'd love for you to riff on that because your partnership that you alluded to, the things that he loves, you don't love, and I'm sure it's vice versa. How do you find them? How do you structure them? Anything else that you can hit on with the dating process to getting engaged to getting married to this business partner? Obviously, our story I shared is probably not the playbook. It is a play, but I don't know if it's your playbook. I'd love to hear you riff on that a little bit.
0: I'm going to make a lot of analogies to marriage because I think it's so good. Do you know some of the highest success rates in marriage are arranged marriages? And part of it is you just have this expectation that I'm going to honor, love, and give the other person the better end of the deal. And if more people did that in business or in marriage in general, I think everyone's so scared that, you know what's risky? Getting married. Well, of course it is. Like, yeah, 50% in divorce. Like, yeah, that's pretty risky. I love Jim Rohn where he goes, wait till I hand you the bill for not taking action. And you're 50 and alone and you regret not getting married. Yeah, there's risk in doing it. And so for me, it was always just a strategic. And even though business partnerships aren't as finite and as sacred from my faith-based perspective on a marriage, a lot of the same concepts apply of, hey, this is what we can do. So I've gotten into probably 10 partnerships, a couple that have exited, some bad ones, some accidental, and then some extremely intentional. We'll start with the ones that didn't work out. It was, hey... I got capital. You're a hustler. I'm going to put 25 grand into the bank account. You're going to do all this stuff. And then we're going to reap the rewards. Sounds great, right? He's like, I got time. I was like, I got capital. Perfect. Let's rock and roll. Then he's like, well, turns out this is really hard. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to go drive for Uber. And I was like, well, we invested in this course and we're doing this marketing. I was like, I don't got the time. I'm an engineer. This was the whole deal, right? And he's like, yeah, I think I just changed my mind. And so my new favorite thing for employees and for partnerships is to give them tests. So both of our employees worked for us for free for three to nine months before we hired them. And one of our character traits or hiring traits and traction is generosity. They were like, I love what you guys are doing so much that I'm gonna come learn from you and work for free. And I was like, that's someone I want as part of a team. And so what I started doing, because everyone's like, hey, Adam, can I buy you coffee? And it's like, I would love to do that all the time. And they're like, let's get in this partnership. I was like, cool, go make an offer on a house. And that's it. That is just tripwire number one. They're like, yeah, I didn't really get to that. I was like, great. Thank you for doing that. You just disqualified yourself. And it's like, you start setting up these different tripwires. Like, hey, now we want to meet. Now I want you to go get three no's from a real estate agent. Now I want you to craft up this. And it was like, basically all these different things. If I'm the more experienced and somebody wants to partner with me, you set up those tripwires. Like, you know what? This person's pretty serious. They can stay committed to something more than 90 seconds. And I don't want to say it's a generational thing, but it's just general discipline. Can you stick to what you said you were going to do? That's a big part for me. One of our partnerships, I call it the playground. I like Batman. You like Batman? Cool. Let's do this. You like real estate? I like real estate. Let's put our time and our capital together. We're at the equal footing. You got a good job. I got a good job. Let's just see what happens. And it was like, Great. And then I realized, like, oh, I got some ego that I got to work with. Oh, I'm doing all this stuff. What's he doing? Oh, it turns out he's actually doing some pretty cool stuff. And then we just naturally set into these roles of Adam's a DI personality. He's got a bunch of crazy ideas. And then I call my business partner Steady Eddie. He's a seven all the time. He doesn't get to nine or ten and he doesn't go to a two or three. And I basically live in one or two or nine or ten. I'm either your best friend or your worst enemy. There's no middle ground for Adam. And so having a steady Eddie as your business partner. It's like, oh, this is so refreshing and frustrating at the same time. I'm like, you know, we just got a check for 20 grand, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, do you want to tell your face? You're not excited at all. And he's like, yeah, it's good. And then now to the more strategic of similar vision, complementary skill sets. You got to be looking at the same alignment in our flipping business. There was somebody specific that I was like, I'm crafting a job position basically for you. And here are the things that you're really good at. Tell me no a bunch you're really good at the details. He's really analytical. Hey, how can we partner because I'm going to get us into trouble and I'm going to do the podcast, the marketing and say yes to some iffy deals that you probably want to do because... You're more risk averse. So now we get to balance each other out. And similar to my wife, when we took the personality styles or different things, sometimes people say opposites attract. I like to say they complement each other because I'm all over the place. And if I was married to the exact same thing, it'd be like fire and fire. And so I like that we have those two complementary skill sets. And so I absolutely love that part of it because what's different from an equity versus an employee to me is how much they care. And some people just love to be employees, which is great. But when you have equity in something, whether that's future profit, actual decision making, or other pieces, I've noticed that people just seem to care a lot more.
2: I 100% agree with that. And I think it's so cool to witness all these partnerships. I actually have a friend, we did a business deal maybe 10 years ago, Tried to get something off the ground. And it was a lot more of the Batman friendship sort of thing. Yeah, we tried, but it like there was not a lot of forethought put into this. And it's like when you're 26, you think that that's going to turn out pretty well, but rarely does it. And I think you learn from these things. So no matter your age, as you're listening to this, thinking about partnering with people, I think learn from that where it's similar vision, similar values, but complementary skill sets. I think that's beautiful, Adam. You strike me as somebody who's successful, not only in business, Adam, but also I love the little hint at that when you said looking for humor. You mentioned your faith-based perspective and how much you care for your wife and your family. I'd love to just get a little glimpse into the Zock household on a daily basis. You're a father. You're also running these businesses. You're a husband. How do you do it all? What's the secret there to also making sure that you have a successful home life from your perspective? What would you say to that?
0: Controlled chaos is the stage of life that I'm in a six, four and one year old. Sometimes if I can just sit here, take a deep breath and be like, man, I made it. Like sometimes that feels like a super win. What I have found that works extremely well for me when Adam's balanced, I call it my five, four, three, two, one. And it's how I break down the 168 hours in a week. It's 50 hours of sleep, 40 hours of work, 30 hours of family time, 20 hours of me time and then 10 hours of not eating or screens before bed, which is roughly an hour and a half. And I was like, if I do those five things and there's still 20 hours, you somehow just lose in a week, which I never know exactly where they go. I don't know if I'm shaving for that long or in the shower or what it is. In general, for 150 hours, if I do that, I've noticed that Adam is on point. And that includes one-on-one time with my kids that's honoring business because I love doing that. And then sometimes when I have the extra time, I'm like, you know what? Last quarter, I called it overtime dad quarter four of 2022, I was a 50-hour family man and basically tracked out, hey, guess what? From 6 to 8.30, I'm a dad. From 5 to 8.30, when they go to bed, I'm a dad. And then on the weekends, I'm full dad mode. Turns out when you get 13 hours, 13 hours, and then five hours a day, it's pretty easy to get 50 hours a week. And I actually figured out that I saw it was on the opposite side of being too involved or out of balance because I was as close to a full-time dad as I possibly could without actually quitting the job. And it turns out it was actually too much for me, which is really weird for me to say because what are we doing all this for? It's for the family. And I'm one that's, I'm a beast of a dad. That's one thing I know for sure is that I spent a ton of times with my kid. I play with them, I'm creative, and I'm their best friend. And that's awesome because I've put in the time. Now it's like, oh, how can I be intentional? But I've also realized that it's got to work as a family which is me, my wife individually, and all of us together. And so I realized that 50 hours a week, there can actually be the other side of going too far into something, just depending on your personal preference. Someone might say, if I was a full-time dad, that's the best thing ever. And what I figured out is I enjoy 40 hours of work, I enjoy 30 hours of family time. And if I keep that in balance, keeping the one-on-one, keeping the family stuff and all that, I was like life is pretty darn good. And so for that, it's getting really intentional with the kids, it's trying to train them. And then I love to try to gamify everything. It's the added urge, like you tell me, I forget, I see it, I remember, but if I do it, I understand. And so I've been trying to play with that. It's like Adam's own early childhood education experiment. My poor kids are like, hey, what happens if I sit you right down here? And I turn this into a game of what happens if you eat the marshmallow or you don't eat the marshmallow? And I'm like running like little mini experiments on my kids. Like, oh, it turns out your self-discipline is actually pretty good or Like, hey, what happens if I strategically create conflict in your life? How do you handle it? Do you just buckle and fall down? And my poor wife's like, you know, they're four, not like 40. And so I'm trying to play down to their level. But I was like, it's all these things that I'm super motivated for to teach my kids and to inspire them that I just want them to be awesome human beings in the world. And it is extremely hard. I could buy a piece of real estate quicker than I can get my four-year-old to put on his pants for sure every day one just like yeah pick up the phone do it and there you go this one's like I'm using tactical empathy I'm pulling out every Chris Voss technique I have it's like yeah you're having a hard day I get that you don't really want to go on it but it's like I'm using every business strategy I can to get the 40 I was like oh it turns out it's pretty strengthening just on my own personal skills i like oh how can I do that and repeat and it's also really cool to see their brains working and then I'm just addicted to books and personal development so I'm reading everything on toddlers and what they're going through and And then as our oldest just started kindergarten, and then the youngest one right now is my favorite. He's just over one. He's walking. He's smiling. Everything's happy. He hasn't got the terrible twos yet. I'm like, oh, just stay like this forever. And I was like, I get that every year. They each had their own special moments. But when I talk about my kids and the different things that we do, it's both equally refreshing when I get time to myself to rejuvenate. But when we're with them and what I can see in the potential and what I have written up on my wall right there, which is health and relationship are going to bring me the most happiness while I'm here on earth. And it's just reminding myself that as we go through this, I have the opportunity to have my best friends for life and my wife and my kids. Jeez, man. That was beautiful.
1: You painted such a beautiful picture of imagining what it would look like and feel like being there, witnessing this conversation with your four year old and figuring out like all these strategies of how can I get them? Because I empathize with James, like, what is my version of the intentionality that you bring to parenting and fatherhood and being a great husband? I think that's a great word to describe this whole episode. It's almost like intentionality that you bring to what you're doing and being present with what's in front of you. So I really love that. And I I know something that you and I have jammed about and going back and forth about. It's like, how can I make sure that I am intentional with my time to be where I'm at? Be at the gym when I'm at the gym, be in business when I'm in the business, be with my family when I'm in the family. I know you took an extended trip recently with your family and we had a couple of text exchanges during that trip. And it's like, how can I be intentional with my time? This is probably the last question that I have for you before we go to our big three. I'm sure listeners want to stay in touch with you and learn a little bit more about the Tinder for real estate. Maybe some of the things that you're up to. But my curiosity would be if somebody's listening right now and they say, I want to be intentional with my time too. I'd like to buy back some of my time, whether it be freeing up my time to spend more time with my wife or freeing up my time to spend more time with my family or with my business. I know one of the resources that has helped me a ton back when Andrew was coaching me was having a team of virtual assistants that were dedicated to take on some of the admin tasks and some of the things that were just draining my energy. And you and I have had conversations around that and you decided to use Better Than Rich Virtual Assistants for some of those things I alluded you to. If someone was evaluating, considering becoming a member of the community, using some of our services, hiring a team of virtual assistants, what would you say to them?
0: I'll pick it up from there. Mike, I might have lost you just quick there. But if the delay is on my end, I apologize for that. So for me, it was always, oh, how can I get employees? How can I get partnerships? And it was always, I'd love to just give away equity on different things. And then the idea of a virtual assistant from whether it was Tim Ferriss and the four-hour work week, or you keep hearing more about executive assistants. And for me, it was always like, well, I just don't want to post, find, screen, hire, manage the VA. And the easy button specifically talking with you guys is like, hey, we did all that. You could literally give them assignment tomorrow. Just shoot the Loom video on what you're doing. And there'll be somebody in there that we've already vetted. And I was like, awesome. Let's rock with that. And we've been doing that now for the last 10 months. I think we've had you guys and it was going. And it was always just that I can't find someone. Who's it going to be? Can I trust them? Always the bank accounts. How are they going to get access And you're like, these people are already vetted. They're working for other people. By the way, we got someone that'll just hop in, do different things. And it's like just getting that barrier to entry to be so low to remove the obstacles because the former engineer me is always paralysis by analysis. Oh, I could go do something on online jobs, pH. And then it's like, oh, it turns out when you post on it, you get 100 people. And then now what do you do? Okay, well, 90% of them have DQ'd themselves because they can't even read the ad. And then it's like, oh, now I got to interview these people. And I've never really interviewed a virtual assistant. And it's like, you know what? For my time, how much easier is it when there's similar to the real estate matchmaking? Like, oh, I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life to solving real estate. Well, someone's dedicated the last five to 10 years of their life figuring out how to get VAs delegating and automating. Why wouldn't I just be like, Hey, I get that if I put in the time and the energy and I learned all this through 10 years, I could maybe get to your level. But hey, do you want to just cut me off a slice that tastes really good? Let's roll with that. And now it's like, Okay, well, what's the next level of that?
2: Yeah, so good, man. Appreciate that and appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm hearing is if we leverage other people's expertise, right? Because I don't want to dedicate the next 10 years of my life to figuring out how to be a great landlord and how to pick out these properties. It's like, I'll call Adam. And I think that's really what you're doing with us. So I don't want to go figure out how to hire a virtual assistant to train them and kiss a lot of frogs. Like, I don't have time to kiss frogs. I'm just ready to rock. And that's exactly why you're working with us, which I really appreciate. By the way, I asked ChatGPT to come up with 25 potential names for the Tinder app uh, for real estate. So we have PropMatch, EstateMate, HomeConnect, Home swipe, you know, not bad. Maybe you're going URL shopping later today. That's pretty funny. Hey, Adam, we always ask our guests three questions at the end of every episode. The first one is, what do you think the world needs most right now?
0: I believe in the Mother Teresa quote that if you want to go change the world, go home and love your family. And what that means to me is I almost envision all of us as nodes in the world. And I'm like, you know what? I can't impact the entire world, but you know who I can? The person to my left, the person to my right, in front of me and behind me. And I was like, oh, if I'm this green node somewhere here in North Dakota and I can impact my tier one friend's and my tier two and my tier three through some sort of ripple effect. And I was like, it really starts with the family because they're going to be the ones that go out. And so that's a quote that I really enjoy. And I think the world needs more of because people growing up with great parents, not all the time, there's always different circumstances, but in general, houses with a father figure the stats are crazy on like the probability of them not ending up in jail, having some financial success, not getting into postgraduate school or different things like the stats are undeniable. So for me, it starts with the family.
1: Yeah, that's great. We had a great conversation with Connor Beaton on the podcast. So listener, if you want to go check that one out around the being dad's involvement, it's really big. Thank you for that, Adam. Our second question
0: we'd like to ask is what are one to three books that you think people should read? I'll say number one because it was my first personal development book ever and it's got a special place in my heart is Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's just the frameworks, the different pieces. I got it sitting up here on my wall and the different seven steps on and then sharpening yourself is a good one. Number two, for people in the thick of it, MJ DeMarco, The Millionaire Fast Lane. He breaks down the strategy of the sidewalk, the slow lane and the fast lane so well for people in life that maybe want to retire early or generate some sort of wealth, give some awesome framework and systems. And I really love his definition of wealth, which is I'm healthy, I have good relationships and I have freedom of time. To him, that's wealth. And I really like that definition. And then number three is I've just been a fanboy of Alex Ramosey lately. And so if you have an offering, man, his $100 million offers and $100 million leads If you're a business owner, if you're thinking about crafting an offer, it's written to such a good level that anyone can understand it and apply it. And yeah, if you want to get into real estate, that might be a specific real estate book. But those are the books that I've been super curious about. And I'm going to throw a bonus one in there. If you have little kids, oh, crap, I might have a toddler. Fantastic book for the three to five-year-old ranges.
2: Love it. Love it. So good. Our third question, Adam, is what does it mean to you to be better than rich?
0: I'm appreciative of the past. I have peace in the present and faith for the future. When I have those three things in my life, where everything in the past has happened for me, not to me, if right here in this moment, I can be at peace and life is good and I don't have all these distractions and I don't need to be there and I'm not getting pulled everywhere, and then faith in the future, both for business, for life, for Adam being a Christian, those three things... Just when I say it, I get tingles on the alliteration and then just thinking of the past, present and future and how to do it. To me, that's better than Rich. It's beautiful, man. Thanks
1: for sharing. And Adam, I'm sure people are going to want to stay in touch with you. I know you have uh, real estate investment opportunities. You want to help some dads. Yeah, you have homeequitypartner.com slash investors. You have equityflip.com with two Ps. Can you speak to some of these links, these sites, what they'll get by going to them? We'll put them in the show notes, of course. But if someone want to stay in touch with you, learn more, maybe do some investing with you. Like I have 75,000
0: deployed that for you're putting sure. to work so for me. What would the, you say? The, the main thing that I focus on with homeequitypartner.com slash investors is getting dads in high cash flowing real estate. And it's getting higher than double-digit returns backed by real estate. And it's specifically the cash flow play. And I'm on a mission to do that. I've only quit the job 2 years ago. But man, I have a magnificent obsession with that because I believe in the cash flow play. And then on the equity flip side, there's a lot of people that are like, I got a lot of time. I want to get into real estate. I think flipping is the best way for me to generate income. And I want them to always have an answer. Money is never the answer. i basically say I'll fund any deal as long as it meets the 70% rule. You find a deal, I guarantee you'll find capital. And so it's just unlocking those limiting beliefs that I need to have the capital first or what that piece is, that Adam's uniquely qualified to enter into some sort of joint venture relationship with someone trying to flip some houses. And we've successfully done that over a dozen times in, I think, eight different states. And it's so fun getting to meet new people, new areas. And I love the business model.
2: Well, that's awesome, Adam. Thank you so much. Listener, make sure you check out those websites if this applies to you. And this has been such an amazing episode, Adam. You've added so much value to the audience in so many ways. And I know you've also enriched my experience here today. You've just added so much value and brightened my mood here this morning. So I appreciate that as always. And listener, assuming that you felt the same and this episode helped you, it's your turn. Share it with a friend. Make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. And remember, until next time on The Better Than Rich Show, remember to leave today better than you found it. Until then... We'll see you next.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at betterthan__rich and join our Facebook group at The Better Than Rich Show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it.